0: Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church, and what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Sometimes when we experience uh, something really great, like We're not gonna live forever on Restore Nights, but let me tell you, that has been a source of inspiration, a a source of strength for many of us, those of us that participated in Restore Nights uh, several weeks ago. But sometimes when we have a little bit of space, we may sit back and go, was that real? Was my experience legitimate? Were the words spoken over me, the prayers prayed over people? Was there anything to it? We have an enemy, commonly considered Satan or the devil, and sometimes our own freaking mind takes the place of that. And we begin to listen to lies. We begin to listen to things that are not true. And so it is important for us to go back to Scripture in those moments because we cannot live our lives on how we feel. We can't just simply say, this is how I feel today, and so this is how I'm gonna live my life. We'd all be in all kinds of trouble if we relied on how we feel in order to uh, inform us how we will live. So last week, I, I prepared a message called Unraveled. This is, uh, that, that was week number three. This is now week number point. Well, 2.0, let's just say. It's Help My Unbelief Unraveled 2.0. Because last week, uh, I got real unraveled, and many of us did, by the stories that were told by so many of you. Stories of how you had God encounters during Restore Nights, and, and what you believe God has been saying to you. You know, I think I'm just gonna pause for a second here, and, uh, and allow, or invite... If there is someone in the house that didn't get a chance to get up here and talk last week and tell us what God has done in your life and you really felt like this is what you wanted to do, I'm just gonna ask you to come right now. Just come up here right now if you have a word for us, something that would help us to uh, give testimony to the work of God in your life. Okay, I'm not one to wait around very long, so. All right. All right. Our best moments, our best moments. And some of us look back on Restore Nights and we say those were some of our best moments. So our best moments, our mountaintop experiences. So we can't live on the mountain, right? We can't live up there. But our best moments should help inform how we live in our day-to-day mundane life. Maybe your life is full steam ahead, it is adrenaline rush after adrenaline rush and nothing ever gets you down but I'm telling you that is not most of our experience. Most of us, most of us need to take those moments of, that we feel so grateful for, those moments where we experience God in places that we've never experienced before, we experience God in ways we've never experienced him before, we take those moments And we allow those moments then to inform how we live in our day-to-day life. Because our real life is changing diapers, is it not? Our real life is running after our kids in after-school activities. Our real life is cooking meal after meal after meal. Our real life is slogging it out in the workplace. Our real life is learning what it means to love in spite of broken people. That's our real life. But you know the beauty of taking what has happened in us. When we come to Jesus, when we experience his life in us, we take that real life and we, and we transplant it into our everyday experiences, these experiences that feel mundane and, and tedious We take those beautiful experiences, put them into those tedious day-to-day experiences. All of a sudden, we have an opportunity to then create something brand new. We get new perspective. We see things through the filter of what God has done in us instead of through the filter of despair and pain and agony and a request for healing. We want all of that. We want all of the healing. We want all of the grace. We want all of that. But sometimes, sometimes it means putting our uh, one foot in front of the other and, and deciding that we will not be informed by those things in our life that will tear us down. But instead, we will be informed by the good that God has placed within us. Last, uh, last two weeks ago during restore nights, um, some of us got some, uh, a fresh perspective on what it means to be in the presence of Jesus. And we also may have experienced some things that we have never in our life experienced. See, Jesus moves. First of all, God is no respecter of persons and uh, our preconceived ideas of how he will move, how he will uh, speak to us, how he will uh, download information to us, all of those preconceived ideas sometimes just get tossed out the window because all of a sudden we have a new experience that simply doesn't fit in the box that we would have wanted to put it in. It's just the wrapping all comes off. Hence the title, Unraveled. I wanna draw our attention briefly to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, it's not gonna be up on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. This is in regard to spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. Here's what Paul writes to the church in Corinth who was a crazy mess. Just, you think we're crazy? They it's beyond, beyond comparison, really. Uh, he says to them in verse twelve or chapter 12, he says, "'Now, dear brothers and sisters, "'regarding your question about the special abilities "'the Spirit gives us.'" So there were some things going on in Corinth that needed some explanation, and so Paul is giving it. He says, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you are, were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one's, sp- by the way, what are your speechless idols today? I'll just throw that out there. What are your speechless idols that you worship? So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, so listen up. The same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, commonly called uh, gift of tongues, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Okay, so some of us last week experienced people praying over us, and uh, a few people that gave testimony last week, told us how they encountered God, talked about the, the prophetic word that was given them, the prophecy that was given them. Okay, so some of us haven't been in a, in a setting where that word has been used, or, or we haven't experienced it, and even now we're saying, what in the world does that mean? Well, it simply means that God gives, gives as Paul said to the Corinthian church, it simply means that God gives each one of us spiritual gifts and I'm not gonna unpack that this morning. I just wanted to give you insight to 1 Corinthians 12, point you to it, and do some study on it. Okay, so if somebody gives us a word of knowledge, tells us something about us that they could not have known, are they simply a fortune teller, or are they actually a person that has the Spirit of God in them and is giving a word of wisdom, giving a word of knowledge, giving a word of prophecy? How do we trust the gifts that are represented in the body of Christ? How do we trust them? They come through people. People are not infallible. And yes, that's a good point, Gene. People are not infallible. So let me point you to 1 John 4. 1 John 4, verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know they have the Spirit of God. Here's how we know. Mark this as truth. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Pretty cut and dry, black and white. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and, by the way, is already here. So how do you know? How do you know? Test. Test. And what is their fruit? What is the fruit of the person bringing the word? How do they live? Do they live in alignment with Jesus or are they live in alignment with themselves? Do they live in alignment with the almighty God that informs them? Or are they living for themselves? Are they looking for glory for themselves? How then do they live? This is the measure of how you can trust, how you can know, if you can trust the words that are given. So last week, when Tim was here, Tim Miller was here, uh, last week when Carolyn Yoder was here, and they, they gave us, I mean, God worked through them in so many beautiful ways. When they were here, they both came with a strong gift of prayer, and a prophetic gift, actually. And the question that I was asked a number of times is where'd you find these people? (laughs) Where'd you find these people? And my response was, I have observed them both for many years and I've known them and I trusted them. I trusted them. And so I trust the word that comes through them I also know that they are not perfect, they're not infallible. And so, you still, there's discernment that happens. Some of you have the gift of discernment. It doesn't mean you live in the gift of suspicion, but you live in the gift of discernment. So I wanna give you a word from Pastor Tim to us. Um, He He got this word for Restore Church. While he was here, he processed it a bit and then gave it. And he asked me to give it to you this morning. And this is given as an encouragement. It's not given as a word that says, you've arrived, you are doing absolutely fantastic. Here's a word of encouragement. Stay, stay on track is not a word of boastfulness, but it is a word of encouragement. So let me just read this. I feel a people who are responsive to God, who are earnest in their pursuit of him. I see a group of people who are open to learning and to unlearning, who have been burned and bummed and chewed up and spat out, but instead of that being the end of the story, the father is making it the beginning of the best part of the story beauty from ashes, joy from mourning, laid down before him in love with him. This isn't a house where celebrity will be the pull. This is a house where community will be the pull, where you outdo each other in showing honor and where pride is offered on the altar and ego is trampled under the dancing feet of David. The son of mine was lost and has been found, and so the party began. See, I see the practices of Jesus changing lives. I see leaders being raised up from within this house. I see a geographical spread of the sons and daughters of this house impacting others. I see leaders who have been raised up in this house who carry the DNA moving out from here in the decades to come to take the kingdom gospel of whole hearts and beloved sons and daughters to the next generation. I see bees, like buzzing bees. I see bees. Bees. I see a cross pollination from this congregation to other open hearted churches in this region. Trees that are a monoculture don't bear fruit. Trees by themselves, inclined inward, just by themselves, do not bear fruit. The bees, cross-cultural boundaries in search of the nectar of the gospel, the sweetness of the gospel, which flows within us in common. And the bees cross-pollinate the trees for fruitfulness. I see the water level rising and all ships rising as it does. No competition, only one flag flown. I see a people rejoicing in the victories and lamenting in the tragedies of other houses of the region, not because it is correct to do so, but because we have become family and we can't help but feel with these cousins we know and love. And finally, finally, deep calls to deep. There is a yearning in this house to host the Lord's presence above all. This presence flows from his own deep yearning for fellowship with us. Jesus has a jealousy on this point as he wants your hearts above all things and in all things. My house shall be called the house of prayer. Amen. Amen. As I read and reread that this week, I shared it with a few people. Uh, I found myself getting a little more unraveled by it all. It's a good unraveling, and I hope it's a good unraveling for you as well. Uh, Last week, I I pointed to my mom's uh, gift of crocheting. When I was young, she crocheted a lot, and I talked about how sometimes she would express a word of frustration as she had to unravel the crocheting work that she had done because there was something in here that wasn't quite right or something that needed to be done over. And she'd pull that string until uh, she got past the spot that needed to be undone. That's sort of how we felt, and that's sort of how I continue to experience what God has done among us, and what he continues to do in us, and I hope that we will not stop sort of being unraveled in the presence of Jesus, because in that place is where we find strength, and in that place of maybe deconstruction, we can put it back together again if we're sensitive to the spirit of God and his prompting and the way that he asks us to put it back together again, put our faith back together again. Let me remind you that this whole series, we've kind of worked it around the idea that deconstructing our faith is not what we do to remain there, but we deconstruct to reconstruct, to become more than we were before, to become more in, in alignment with Jesus, the true faith than we were before. And so if you say, I have all kinds of trouble and problems with the scriptures, okay, dig in, dig in, work at it, ask Jesus to inform this word so that it aligns with your, so that you are in alignment with what Jesus says about you and about this faith we call following Jesus. Let me turn our attention briefly to John chapter 3. John chapter three. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. All right, so sometimes I just go straight through and I read the scripture and then we come back to it. This morning, I wanna just stop and pause at a few different spots. Let's just talk about Nicodemus for one second. Nicodemus was not just the average Joe that said, hey, Jesus, can I have a minute of your time? No, he was a Pharisee. He was educated. He was of the elite class of the day. He was a Sanhedrin, which was like the Jewish Supreme Court. Nicodemus shows up in uh, several different places in the scriptures. And this is the first where he would show up. And then in John chapter 7, when Jesus is being maligned in front of of, of Nicodemus's peers, Nicodemus stands up, and he stands up to them, and he says, hey, listen, guys, shouldn't we give a, uh, a proper hearing? Because there was this attempt to say Jesus was guilty without any sort of uh, proper hearing for him. So he defends him in John chapter 7. And in John chapter 19, we see that he has, uh, he has means, so he's, he's got wealth. And he brings 75 pounds of, of spices to the burial of Jesus. He actually helps Joseph of Arimathea take Jesus off the cross after the crucifixion. There is Nicodemus presenting again, and he puts him in a borrowed tomb along with Joseph. They help, uh, they put Jesus' body in there. And then uh, 75 pounds of spices is a lot of spices. What that means is that. Nicodemus at some point in his life had come to believe that Jesus was royalty. This is the amount of spices that one would put in the tomb of a king. And so while, while it is not explicitly said, we can, by inference, believe that Nicodemus had come into the presence of Jesus and he had become unraveled by the presence of Jesus. Jesus. Verse 2 says, After dark. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. I find it interesting that the scriptures give us that detail. It was after dark. When do you find it safe? to meet with Jesus What are those moments in your life where you can point to and you can say yeah that that moment is when I actually felt like I was going to be okay attempting to get into his presence See Nicodemus was you can assume that he was fearful He feared for his own reputation. He feared for his own life. He did not come to Jesus to say, hey, what's up? No, he came to Jesus carefully. He came to Jesus when he felt it was safe to do so. And the beautiful thing is that Jesus was right there waiting for, like he he just, he found time for him at the time that was right for Nicodemus, At the time that Nicodemus was, like, prepared for it. See, Nicodemus is kind of lucky because some of us, we get unraveled because Jesus, all of a sudden, sometimes he just, like, he's not a respecter of persons. He comes and he meets us in places where we don't anticipate him to to meet us. He meets us in places where we get the footing. Our, our, Our foundations are shifted a bit. Because we don't expect him to do the things that he does. And here comes Nicodemus. It was dark. It was safe. At least it seemed that way. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. This morning I would ask you, what is the evidence in your life that God is with you? Can you point to something in your life this morning and say, yeah, that's that thing in my life. I can point to that and say, Jesus has done something in my life. What is the evidence in your life? Because sometimes we think that that the miraculous has to look a certain way. That it has to look like a a, a limb straightened right in front of us. Or it has to look like You name it, anything that is visibly seen. In fact, the most miraculous thing I've ever seen is the complete transformation of a human being from the inside out. See, you can count that as miraculous. Every one of your lives has has the opportunity. You each one have the opportunity. I've had the opportunity to have my life completely transformed. No longer am I the person that I was. And no longer will I be the person that I am now. Like we are all in process. We are all on a journey. We are all being transformed one way or the other. To his question in verse three, Jesus replies. He says, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, which also means like born from above or born of the spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now imagine This guy that is uber smart, sitting there with Jesus. And Jesus says something like this to him. and So his response is, what do you mean? What do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Now, at first blush, it would appear that that he uh, is thinking that Jesus was advocating for something that was impossible. Like a second physical birth. Really not possible. But what if, what if Nicodemus was actually saying, how can a man whose habits and ways of thinking, long steeped in tradition, how can they be altered? See, old men have old habits. And old men have perspective and confidence in what they've seen and experienced. How? Can one expect such radical change? Nicodemus seems to be saying, I know physical birth is impossible, but is spiritual birth any more feasible? Like, how is this going to happen? And Jesus replies, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. Jesus just got away with words. Like, instead of just making it super, super plain, he continues to stimulate the thinking of this thinking man. And so he says, the wind blows wherever it wants. You must be born again. No, that's not what he said. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. See, we like to try to explain things. We want to understand, and there's n- this is a good thing for us to try to understand. But sometimes we can live in a place where we're okay without uh, uh, to not understand every single thing. We're okay with allowing the Spirit of God to continue to inform us. It could be paraphrased, this, this verse eight could be paraphrased as the Passion Translation does, and to say that the wind and the breath and the Spirit are moved by mysterious moods and in their own wonderful ways. When you feel their touch and hear their voices, you know they are real, but you don't understand how they flow and move over the earth. To all of this, in verse nine, Nicodemus says, what, what? How can this be possible? How can this be possible? And then Jesus takes him on a little journey and uh, references Jewish tradition and moments that Nicodemus can, can relate to. And from all appearances, Nicodemus comes to a saving faith. So how about your past moments that Jesus might use to inform who you are today or Jesus might say hey, think about this remember this what this is what happened remember remember 2 weeks ago remember how I met you in that moment at restore nights remember the things that happened the words that were spoken over you remember those experiences see when we say say help my unbelief help my unbelief we may just be saying Unravel me, draw me to yourself, tell me what is possible. You, the giver of fresh perspective, give me eyes that see, ones that will, the one that, who heals the deaf, give me ears that hear. See, Nicodemus saw the miraculous, and that drew him to Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 12, he said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. We can look at that verse and say, when Jesus was hung on the cross, that's what he meant. That's what he was referring to. And that is likely true. But could it also mean that in, where, where Matthew writes in chapter five, when Jesus is speaking the sermon, uh, preaching the Sermon on the Mount, when he says, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Might that also be a moment when Jesus says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. I picture, as I was prepping for this, I pictured Jesus and Nicodemus in close conversation. Close conversation, heart to heart, speaking And Jesus kept downloading, this is this is a transformational word to Nicodemus and to us. And he kept downloading these words to to Nicodemus. And in the most famous verse that of all of Scripture, John chapter 3, verse 16. This is a word Nicodemus was receiving from Jesus and it's a word this morning for us again. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. It is easy for us because of our inclination toward becoming very accustomed to certain parts of Scripture, to bypass this good word again this morning. God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to come, and we often say move into the neighborhood. He became one of us. He became one of us humans so that we could be redeemed. See, Nicodemus came for knowledge and information. He wanted to know what Jesus knew. He came for knowledge and information. But what Nicodemus got was a better word. And not just a better word, he was offered life. And Romans 10.10 Paul writes these words. He says, "For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved." Uh, this points to uh, this points to this this word of believing, and then declaring. This is uh, points to confession and repentance. Confession and repentance. The original Greek word that is translated repent is one that means to undergo a change of mind that is strong enough to change how we live. In John chapter 3 verse 21, but those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they're doing what God wants. And again, we... Those of us who follow the way of Jesus are called to point people to him. Not to ourselves, but to him. See, when I read this passage of scripture, what I don't see in this encounter is Jesus giving Nicodemus a formula. He didn't give him a formula. Do this, then this, then this, then this. Although to believe and declare, you could look at that as a a piece of a formula, I suppose. He didn't look at Nicodemus and say, say these words and then you are saved. Raise your hand at the appropriate time and then you are saved. On the contrary, we don't see any sign of words. But what we do see are actions taken. See, words not followed with action are cheap. Words not followed with action are real cheap. I told someone the other day that while I absolutely believe that to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth is relevant and it is necessary, I also believe that our individual uniqueness will allow for an experience that is different for each one of us. So when we say words around here, When we say words that indicate a surrendered life, there's an expectation that those words will, that that our actions will reflect the words that come out of our mouths. Our mission to know Jesus and our neighbor is relevant and important for what we're doing here as as a body. To know Jesus is not so dissimilar to the level of intimacy in a healthy marriage relationship. To know Jesus is to know him deeply, to act in the best interest of others. James chapter 1, 27 tells us that spirituality that is pure in the eyes of God is to make a difference in the lives of the orphans and widows in their troubles and to refuse to be corrupted by the world's values. The question before us this morning is, where do you find yourself today? Where do you find yourself today? Would you stand with me? I want to take a moment and just pray. And um, while we're praying, I'm going to invite the prayer team up front. Uh, Prayer ministry all of a sudden has taken a, uh, a, um, at least in my way of thinking, has taken a more prominent role in what we do here at Restore. And we believe that uh, the prayer of a righteous man, a woman, uh, is effective and powerful. And uh, for us, it is a place where we, not, we don't come because we feel, uh, well, sometimes we do, we feel guilty and, and all kinds of stuff. But we want this to time to be, is a, a time of being empowered as you step out of this place again. And sometimes it simply means having someone speak a good word over you, someone to encourage you and to pray, pray for you. Uh, would, you uh, would you just pray with me for a second? So I have a question. Um, Are you struggling? Earlier I asked, where do you find yourself today? And because we're in this series called Help My Unbelief, I wonder, are you struggling with belief today? Are you struggling with belief? You might ask Jesus about that. Where am I disbelieving, that I should be believing. Perhaps if you're feeling unraveled this morning, you might just ask, where is it that I need to be put back together again? And what is Jesus saying to you about that right now? Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus so that we, all of humanity, not just a, uh, a little church in the corner of downtown Goshen could experience the redemption that comes through saving faith in Jesus, but instead you came for the whole world. Help us to have that perspective, God, that you came not just for me, but you came for the whole world. You didn't come for just the people in this building, but you came for the whole world. Your word also says that... um, we, we should let our light shine before men so that they would be glorifying you. And so as we, as as men and women that follow the way of Jesus, as we step out of this place this morning, God, as we often do, we wanna just say again that we want to let our light, we choose, we decide to let our light shine before men so that all people would be drawn to you. So now, God, as we celebrate all that you're doing through us and in us, that we do so humbly and with a sense that our best days are still in front of us, that you have so much for us, And you are for us. And you have designed us and created us for this moment. So inspire us for the days ahead. Guide and direct us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes. And join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.